Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And in order for Leah to be a friend to Zilpah, Leah had to open up to Zilpah. Leah had to let down her walls to Zilpah. It's a very sad person who's described by Paul Simon, you know, the song, I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. Hiding in my room, safe within my womb, I touch no one and no one touches me. I am a rock, I am an island, and a rock feels no pain, and an island never cries. It's a very sad thing to be a rock, very sad thing to be an island. Reminds me last week at Grossmont Hospital on Wednesday, last Wednesday, the hospital had its second, they're trying this, second full day orientation for new employees. And so at the board meeting, they announced this. And so immediately, can I go? And they said, yeah, if you want. Okay. So I walked in. I thought, well, I'll just be a silent person here. I walked in the back of the room, 15 new employees in the room. Immediately, they said, oh, a board member has just arrived. He'll be our next speaker. <laughs> I said, okay. Talked about, you know, why the hospital's good. And then at the end of the meeting, they did something very interesting. They gave to every new employee there, the 50 there, a little card. And on the card was written, I believe I can make a difference in the lives, speaking of patients, in the lives every day by, colon, you write it down. Everybody had to write it down. They wrote down. Nobody knew it was going to happen. They wrote down what their answer was. Everybody thought whether it was going to, you're just going to turn the card in or give it in. No, each of you get up and tell your peers now. <laughs> Read that on the card. It was very good. And I was thinking to myself, well, I'm glad they didn't give me a card. And then each of the 50 new employees, they wrote their response and they stood up in front of the group and they read what was on their cards. It was very interesting. And I think, okay, I'm off the hook since I wasn't getting a card. Except when everybody was finished, they said, now we'd like our board member to now stand up and uh, <laughs> tell and close the meeting, you know? So I thought, well, okay, what am I going to say? Well, at the meeting, they brought in seven therapy dogs. You know what a therapy dog is? The cutest dogs you've ever seen. Labradors, Labradoodle. Well, you know, I said, if I worked here every day, I would look at each patient at Grossmont Hospital bed. And I remember, I told I remember when I was in a Grossmont Hospital bed and heard the words, you have cancer. And I'd let something happen. And then I said, and I remember when I was in a Grossmont Hospital bed and I heard the words, 90% of your blood to your heart is blocked. And I'd let something happen. You know, I said, how many of you, I'm not talking to you, how many of you petted the dogs, you know? How many of you felt in your heart, your heart kind of go out, love the dogs, love the dogs? Well, let me tell you about me. I'll never have a dog because you know why? I don't want to let myself fall in love with the dog. 
because I don't want to go through the death of a dog. I don't want to do it because I don't want to have my heart broken when the dog dies. Been there, done that, don't want to do that again. So I guardedly petted the dogs and the dog was trying to get close to me and you know, I had my notepad and so I'm like this, you know. (laughs) I'm like, keep that dog away from me. (laughs) See, I'm not going to let my heart get broken. And, you know, I'm like holding the dog back with the pad of paper while I kind of reach over and pet the dog. And the dog is singing to me, you are a rock, you are an island. (laughs) A rock feels no pain, island never cries. And so I explained to him, I said, you know what happens to this hospital? Pain happens here. Deep pain. Death happens here. Breaking of hearts happen here. Patients here at Grossmont Hospital, they're as perceptive as those dogs. And they know when you keep a notepad or a clinical chart between you and them. They know when you're just kind of keeping your distance, guarding your heart from being broken by their condition. And if you do that, then the patients are going to sing to you, you are a rock, you are an island. Rock feels no pain, island never cries. But if you want to make a difference in the lives of the patients at Grossmont Hospital, love the dog. Remove your pad between you and the dog. Let your heart be broken. Love the patients. Let your guard down between you and the patients. Let your heart be broken for their condition. That'll give you the sympathy and the empathy to make a difference in the lives of the patients. And that's what has to happen for you to be effective here at the hospital, sympathy and empathy. Now, that's a picture between Leah and Zilpah. Both of them had reason to be bitter. Both of them had reason to crawl within their cave, but there's no evidence at all in the scripture, that either Leah or Zilpah were bitter. And that made them able to have something beautiful, friendship between them. Neither of them asked to be put in this horrible situation that they found themselves in. But they had each other, and because they had each other, they had friendship. And friendship can be a beautiful thing for all of us if we just do what Paul said to do in Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, where Paul says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted. See, God looked at Leah's horrible condition. And you know what God said? God said, that's a horrible condition. (laughs) And he said, I'm gonna give her a zilpah because she needs a Zilpah, a very needed friend for Leah. And that's what God does in our life. He sees what we're going through, and he compensates. He takes care of us. You know, God was watching Leah's condition very carefully, and God saw that Leah, boy, she's in danger of becoming overburdened with discouragement. This is too hard for her situation. Leah needs a friend. Leah needs a Zilpah. The word Zilpah means dropping like the fragrance of perfume, like myrrh, like it drops and it brings this pleasant scent, which is what Song of Solomon's talking about in Psalm Song of Solomon 5 5, where it says, I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. See, Zilpah means it's referring to this dropping of a sweet perfume. And God knew that Leah is going to need the encouragement of a sweet-smelling Zilpah in her life. And for that reason, for Leah, to thank God, Leah had a choice in life. 
Because Leah could have said, you know, I've been wronged, and I'm angry, and I'm bitter, and I have every right to be angry, and every right to be bitter, and I have every reason to be angry, and every reason to be bitter, and I'm gonna be angry and bitter. She could have gone down that road. And that could have been Leah's life, no indication of that at all. And we see that in the way she named her children. We will see it. Or Leah could have said, and she did say, oh, God, I love you because you saw how much I was wronged and how discouraged I was. You saw I needed a friend? You gave me Zilpah. I love you and praise you, God, for giving me Zilpah as a friend. It's a choice. It's always the way it is. Anyway, then we come in verse 25. Verse 25 is the big crash. You know, there's the crash. Came to pass it in the morning. Behold, it was Leah. Crash. He said to Laban, what's this you've done to me? I didn't, didn't I serve you for Rachel? Why did you do this? Why did you beguile me? See, verse 33. It came to pass in the evening. See, verse 23. It came to pass in the evening. He took Leah, his daughter, brought her to him. He went in unto her. Verse 25. It came to pass in the morning. Behold, it was Leah. See, in the evening, <laughs> he took Leah. In the morning, behold, it was Leah. See, verse 23, came to pass in the evening, he went in unto her. Verse 25, it reads, it came to pass in the morning, behold, it was Leah. You know, it says in Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. <laughs> this was the opposite <laughs> for Jacob. Joy was in the evening, weeping was in the morning. <laughs> anyway, this is a horrible morning. This is the worst morning in Jacob's life. It's horrible. These words bring out how horrible it was in verse 25. Behold, it was Leah. On that morning, when Jacob saw, behold, it was Leah, what did Jacob have the right to do at that point? It's a question. On that morning, verse 25, when Jacob saw, behold, it was Leah, what did Jacob have the right to do? Yeah? Yeah, he he had the right to divorce her. He could have asked for a divorce right then. He said he had the right to say, I never agreed to marry Leah. I was tricked into marrying Leah. I never wanted to marry Leah. I was tricked into marrying Leah. I don't love Leah. Matter of fact, I hate Leah. (laughs) I want an immediate divorce. He had that right. Jacob would have been justified in doing that. But the beautiful part here is that Jacob didn't ask for a divorce. That's beautiful. Jacob had the right to ask for a divorce, but he didn't ask for a divorce. Now, I know there are other circumstances, but let's put the best spin on it for a change. (laughs) Jacob. Jacob accepted Leah as his wife. And even though he didn't love Leah, he accepted her as his wife. And the number one justification that people give today for divorces, you know what it is? I don't love her anymore, as if you ever did. (laughs) I don't love her. You know, I fell out of love for her, for him. Well, Jacob didn't fall out of love for Leah because he never fell in love with Leah. (laughs) He didn't love her from the start, but he didn't ask for a divorce. And Jacob said, I'm married to Leah. With love or no love, I'm married to Leah. I'm gonna stay with married to Leah, love or no love. See, that's Jacob as a beautiful example for us about staying married. Jacob had reason to hate Leah because after all, Leah had done to Jacob this horrible deception. She was complicit. I mean, you know, she she could have blown the whole thing. Leah could have kept uh, uh, Jacob from being deceived. All she had to do was just say, hey, 
I'm Leia. <laughs> that would have done it. You know, look at my eyes. You know? <laughs> That's all it would have taken for him not to have been deceived, but she didn't do that. So he had reason to hate her, kind of. But Leah didn't do that, and so Jacob had reason to blame Leah. But you know what it appears like as a history here? It appears that Jacob actually forgave Leah. And in the end, when Rachel died, guess who Jacob was left with? <laughs> Leah. But the point here is that he never asked for a divorce. He didn't love her, stayed married to her. You know, like it says in Fiddler on the Roof, my mother and my father said we'd learn to love each other. So maybe that's what happened. Who knows? But he didn't ask for a divorce, and it didn't matter whether he loved her or not. Stayed married. When Jacob went storming out of bed, and what a scene that must have been, and came to Laban, verse 25, and he said to Laban, what is this thou hast done? Did I serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore thou shalt beguile me. Jacob was saying to Laban, how could you do this? This is what Clinton and I were talking about. How could you do this? How could you make this feast for all these people, for the marriage of Rachel, your younger daughter, when you intended to do the switch and the deception and make me marry uh, Leah? See, now Laban gives his answer in verse 26. Laban said, it must not be so in our country to give the younger before the... Here Laban, he pleads the custom of the country that you are a stranger in. You obviously don't know our customs, so welcome to our country. (laughs) And some countries is still that way. Still that way, the older daughter must be married before the younger daughter unless the older daughter has a physical problem or unless the older daughter agrees and consents to let the younger daughter marry first. But what Laban did was very wicked, and Laban's response just shows how wicked a man he is. Like it says in 1 Samuel 24, 13. 1 Samuel 24, 13 says, As saith the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked. But even though Laban's response was flippant, it was callous, it was wicked, there was a particular sting for Jacob in what he said. See, Laban is talking, when he's saying this is not a custom, Laban is talking about a particular right. Whose right is that, that Laban's talking about in verse 26? That's right. It's the right of the elder, the right of the firstborn. Ooh, did he have to put it that way? That's a sting, because he's emphasizing the right of the firstborn, in this case, to be married first. See, Laban is saying to Jacob that for him to marry younger Rachel is for Jacob to violate the right of the firstborn, Leah. It would be Jacob trampling on the right of the firstborn, Leah. And for Jacob, Laban emphasizing the right of the firstborn, Leah, that's too close to home. You know, Jacob's desire was to ignore the right of the firstborn. And that was all kind of saying to Jacob, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I did. I violated the right of the firstborn Esau by taking his birthright. I stepped in front. I cut in front of Israelis. Never cut in front of lines, do they, Irene? (laughs) I cut in front of line of Esau. And God has made me now feel how wrong I was. But for Jacob, he's kind of in a state of shock. And Jacob, he just didn't expect all this. He didn't expect this kind of wickedness from his relative in the home of his relatives. Ooh, another sting. That was intended. That sting was for you, you know, Jacob. That was intended for you to see what you did to your relative in the home of your relatives, your home. 
Oh, now Laban. He's such a genius, Laban. He's got an idea. Oh, Laban's a genius for coming up for this solution. And Laban reveals his ingenious solution when he tells him, verse 27, don't worry, I'm a genius. I got a great idea. Fulfill her week. And we'll give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. So Laban is saying, Jacob, I really feel for you, old pal, old buddy. And I've come up with this ingenious plan to honor the custom of our country, not violate the right of the firstborn, and yet and give you Rachel to marry. Just work another seven years for Rachel. I'm really a genius, don't you think? So this is easy. Now Jacob, of course, he's very trusting now, you know. <laughs> what do you got up your sleeve now? Okay, here's a question. How much longer did Jacob have to wait until he got Rachel to be his wife? Seven days. That's right. Most people say that Jacob had to wait seven years longer to get Rachel, but that's not correct. Because after Laban has shown himself to be not trustworthy, Jacob never would have waited another seven years to get Rachel. After what Laban did to him, Laban lost his credit with Jacob. You know, Jacob had tried the work first, receive later, and now Jacob would only agree to the receive first and work later, see? And so in the first arrangement with, with Laban, Jacob agreed for it to be payment first and then comes the goods, but now Jacob would only accept to get the goods first and I'll pay later. So in verse seven, when Jacob said to Laban, fulfill her week, and we'll give this also, there was a double meaning in what he said. It was a double meaning. See, the feast lasted seven days or one literal week. But Jacob had to work seven more years or a week of years. So when Laban said, fulfill her week, this is more of the great genius Laban with his double meanings now. When Laban said, fulfill her week, he was referring to both the seven days of feast for Rachel and the seven years of labor payment for Rachel. But Laban, so Laban's saying to Jacob, Jacob, don't get hot under the collar. Just have another party for another seven days and then you'll get Rachel. So how do we know that that's true? How do we know he got Rachel first after seven more days and then he worked off the debt in seven years afterward? You look carefully at the sequence. Look at verse 28. Verse 28 says, Jacob did so and fulfilled her week and he gave him Rachel, his wife. See, that's the week of the seven days feast. Now look at verse 30. And he went in also unto Rachel. He loved Rachel more than Relia and served him yet seven other years. See, there's sequence there. See, verse 28, he did so, fulfilled her week gave him Rachel, that's the seven days. Verse 30, he went in also unto Rachel, served him seven years. Immediately, he went in also unto Rachel, and then he served with him seven other years. Now we see in verse 29, Laban gives to Rachel his daughter, Rachel's daughter, Bilhah, his handmaid, to be her maid. Same thing like Zilpah. So just as Laban gave to Leah Zilpah, we see Laban here giving to Rachel another one of his daughters with his concubines, Bilhah. And Bilhah means timid, timid, which is the perfect personality for Rachel. She comes on real strong, Rachel. A little bit of Rachel is enough. You know, she comes, you know, a little bit will do you. <laughs> like Brill Cream. Anyway, but Rachel comes on so strong that, you know, she crushes people around her. So she kind of needs this friend Bilhah as the timid one. Did Jacob love or hate Leah? It's a question. Did, she, did he love or hate? He hated, okay. Did Jacob have any love at all for Leah, would you say? Was there an ounce of love, a tiny amount of love? It just says he loved Rachel more. Well, that's the point. 
See, in verse 30, it says, he went in also unto Rachel. He loved also Rachel more than Leah. So yes, he loved Rachel a little bit, some little tiny infinitesimal amount. More, <laughs> I mean, relative to Rachel, he hated her. He hated Leah, but he had some love because he loved her more. Anyway, so now we see the, the, this is a real problem. This, the, as, God, as far as God is concerned. And God has a response to this problem, verse 31, where it says, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Now we see how God, this is very interesting because in this verse, we see that God's been monitoring. He's been very close. You know, the TV cameras have been running. You know, <laughs> he's been sitting in front of the terminal God has and is watching what's happening in the home. God is closely monitoring what is happening in his home, in Jacob's home. God closely monitors what happens in our homes. God monitors closely love in the heart. God monitors closely words from the mouth. And we see in those words in verse 31, the Lord saw, that's an amazing statement. The Lord the Lord saw that Leah was hated. That's amazing. It's amazing because it shows how much God cares. This home was a train wreck. This home was a train wreck of prejudice, of envy, of jealousy, and hatred. No one should have to live in a home like that. You know, it's amazing that the children that were born didn't protest and say, this is child abuse to live in this home. <laughs> it was a terrible place. It was a train wreck, but God cared. God cared, and that's amazing to see these first. The Lord saw, Leah was hated. You know, it's amazing that God did not vomit looking at this home and walk away disgusted by it all. But he didn't, because God cared about this home. And it's amazing to see that God does not vomit when he looks at our lives and walk away in disgust, but he doesn't because God cares. Why? God so cared that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he responded by opening her womb. And that's funny. I thought it was all about OBGYNs, but anyway, he opened her womb. And he blessed, the Lord blessed the one that was hated by making her fruitful. You know, you gotta keep in mind, who is this who's watching this? This is Jehovah Jesus. And he, Jehovah Jesus, is watching someone who is being hated without a cause. Well, maybe there's some cause, but anyway. She's hated, and a special compassion goes out for the hated one. A special compassion goes out for Leah. Why? He identifies with her. Why? Because of Isaiah 53.3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He looks at Leah and he says, I'll be there, I'll do that. I identify with you. And so he does this wonderful thing. He opens up her womb. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. 
Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor, that's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org. Looking for an exciting career in the medical field or biotech industry? Join Scanabody's Biologics, founded by a Christian businessman, Tom Cantor. It's a premier company dedicated to advancing patient care and serving the community of San Diego. Scanabody's has global operations and over 700 employees and growing. And if you have a heart for people and a desire to join a leading biotech company, call us 619-258-9300, 619-258-9300, scanabodies.com, that's scanabodies.com.